Everybody, we are here with our Q&A. One six zero says the screen. <laughs> Hallelujah. End of another week, our final service for this week. We once again we want to thank God for His goodness. Through it all, He was there. He brought us through one more week. And now, as we go to the questions, or before we go to the questions, we shall look to the Lord once again. Father, we just thank you, Lord. We just thank you. We just thank you for the gift of life. Yes, Lord. And the day in the land of the living. And now, mm. Father, as we attempt to answer the questions your children have sent, Lord, from all around the world, even from India, everywhere, Lord, we pray for wisdom. We pray for discernment, Lord. Help us, Lord, to answer according to your spirit, Lord, because some questions are connected with our times. Mm what is happening currently help us to have discernment Lord we come at this time and ourselves into thy hands in Jesus name we pray Amen Amen Amen, Amen. But, but incidentally it's already three years since we finished our Q&A oh, three, years. three years three years three years of Q&A yeah we'll start with question number two okay. uh, this is related to education and sending children to secular schools it says uh, it's a two part question it says, if we continue to send our children to Caesar for an education, we should not be surprised when they turn out to be, uh, they return. return home and turn out to be Romans. As you have previously stated, the majority of attack comes from the humanities and the literature disciplines. I tutor my younger sister who is not saved and teach others. So I was wondering if I could use authors such as Dostoevsky, Orwell, Sholzhenitsyn, Sholzhenitsyn and others for literature. Can you please shed some light on this, given that you have spent a significant amount of time with books and have even used your position as a professor of literature to evangelize your students when you were working? Can we use these secular moralist writers or should we stick to the Bible? I was surprised because that question came from India. Mm. Okay. I like the way the question was framed, the first part, you know. If you send our children to Caesar, you will get Romans in return. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> I thought that was a good one. Okay, and uh, uh, the majority, right now, of course, it's not just in humanity alone. Humanity is alone. It's practically every discipline. Yes. What has happened is ideology and theory has come into every discipline. Yep. So... Yet, the most attack, of course, on the minds of our children comes from humanities and those departments. So the question is, if you're planning to homeschool your child, your sibling, what do we use? Now, you mentioned three authors over there. Now, we are talking about literature. Specifically, in this case, you're talking about literature. But if you look at literature, the older literature, not current, I would say never use anybody current unless you are absolutely sure it is uh, one of the Becca programs or one of these authors that are clearly from Christian perspective. Even then, I would try to say be very careful because if the writer is living, wait till he dies. So that you know he hasn't changed his thinking. Because I'm very skeptical about 
so many people in the crescent town because suddenly they were throw a bomb at you by saying i woke up and discovered i am gay or transgender so i prefer to even listen to people who are dead and suddenly they can't change anymore they have it on their coffins it is written very clearly you rest in peace we shall have peace so <laughs> I would say like no like you you used uh, uh the Russian author Todorovsky and I wouldn't I wouldn't say Orwell I would keep Orwell out yeah Solzhenitsyn is there he wrote but it is too much for for I mean whatever level to use these writers second one I would leave it out the other two unless you have a very abridged form uh, it's very difficult to use them because uh, um the language is very difficult very difficult i would say that leave it to them when they grow up to read read uh, those you see when we were growing up literature formed our base and uh, if you look at ancient literature ancient meaning uh, 100 years back or more of course today you think theory you would see racist overtones in everything mm. and uh, I would say at uh, one point it is true you they couldn't escape it because that was the world in which they lived in they lived in okay so today if you are going to see through those lens then uh, you're going to see anything whatever you want this is what actually theory does but what i would say is that yes you will have to use i mean when you're educating your child unless you want to make him into one of those great ones in the apologetics uh, like Wigglesworth and all who read only their bible mm. okay but that was a different world in which you lived in but today you cannot escape education you have to be educated because we moved the times have changed You see when the bible opens in genesis chapter 4 there are only two professions it was agriculture and shepherding farming and basically it was that way for centuries it was there of course you will see by the end of four artisans and all come but that uh, that was all level of sophistication yeah, was only little but, but primarily you see it was an agrarian society society so the way we see education today was not there earlier mm. education was to the privileged class education actually because the way we look at education is more of a greek phenomena that's why the new covenant is written in greek mm. it's not even a roman phenomenon it's a greek phenomenon all the roman nobles had greek tutors yes see all the philosophers all the thinkers came from greece they did not come from rome they were, it's a greek phenomena so that's they were the one who actually exalted humanities and education and thinking and logic and all comes from greece it's so astonishing how history works to such a small little nation called greece today mm. you can't even find it on a map, map. Mm. has so much influence of entire modern thinking how much influence greece still has on our thinking so education became uh spread out through basically through 
I mean, I'm talking about Western education. And education was very privileged. Everybody did not have access to education. If you, I'm, I'm trying to so that if put the framework in which how you think about it, because like in when we learned, it was called we used to it was called the tyranny of language, where language is used as a weapon of tyranny to oppress classes. Because you see in India, sacred texts are all written in Sanskrit. Mm. And 90% of the human, the population cannot, or more than that, 95, 96, 97% cannot read yes. Sanskrit. Absolutely. Okay, so the Bible was translated into Latin. The Catholic Church took over Latin. And only except the priestly class, nobody spoke Latin or read Latin. Mm. Okay. Then, uh, then uh, Quran is written in Arabic. And one billion Muslims, 900 million, doesn't know how to read Arabic. Mm. So there is a class of people who handled language. And then everybody was dependent upon them and their interpretation as to what truth was. That is how language was used. As a, so uh, education was not given to everybody. It's only the very privileged who had access to education. Because education itself, and that's why you need to realize, you know, um, democracies don't like educating the masses. Because if you educate the masses, then they will start thinking, thinking. for themselves, and then they will vote according to their thinking. Mm. So after a point of time when they realize you cannot stop edu educating the masses, then we have to take over education and make it into a form of indoctrinating and the propaganda. masses. Propaganda. Mm. Okay? Yes. So that's basically, that's what has happened. Now media, there's no media, there's no free media, it's all indoctrination. Mm. The same thing is with education. Every government is trying to bring, you know, we call it in India, the news media calls it saffronizing of education. In the West, uh, they had planned it out long ago, 70, 80 years ago, that we will, we cannot fight the West militarily. It's not possible. They're too powerful. They, but we will win the West without firing a single bullet by taking over the schools and the education system. That's how common, people don't realize the entire Western world is ruled by communism. The thinking is communist. Okay. What they did was they infiltrated the school system. You see, it's all planned out in advance. Things, you know, the enemy is not sitting still. He's planning out in advance. Mm. So what they took over was they took over the education system. That's why you see, if you, if you look at it in America, the ruling classes have so much contempt for the masses because they are all 10th grade pass and, okay. So, so many of their agendas are against them. Against. So there is a division between the elites who are from, because by the time they go to college, they all become atheists and skeptics and all, because that is where the indoctrination <coughs> takes place. But those the simple middle class who haven't done much education, you know, they all stick to the Bible, they go to their church and they don't like them. They don't like them. So you need <laughs> to realize education is a very powerful subject. It's a very, very powerful subject. Okay, so... In India, it's a state subject. Yes. But it is not a state subject also. Also, exactly. It's a state subject, but you have state syllabus and you have a national syllabus called CBSE. ICSE is on the way out because the government will not allow a private board to sustain for too long in India. So it will be on the way out. It will ultimately end up with the state and the central one. Okay. And uh, 
You see, education is used to control. And there are so many ways which we don't even understand. Like I'll explain to you, people don't understand how these things work. Like we have a bank crash in US, okay? Two banks, three banks are crashing. The fourth one may crash. But what the Federal Reserve or the FSIDC or whatever they called it, they came in and said for this bank that everyone who deposited money, their money is secure. Usually the Federal Reserve um, insured only for $250,000. So if you have $1 million, you lost it. You will get $250 back, $750, you have lost it. Okay, lost it. That's how it works. Okay, that's how it works. But if you look at their statements, the lady who handles it is called Yellen, Janet Yellen. Okay, if you look at it, what they have said is that (coughs) they will pick and choose which banks they will support. Oh my goodness. Okay, Mm. which banks they will support. Will you categorically say that any bank that fails, you will do it? No, they will not do it. You need to realize, like in India, there are so many small community banks in U.S., like cooperative banks and all over here. Cooperative banks, the central government doesn't like because they cannot control it. It's controlled by the state, so they don't like it. Okay, So they will bring all kinds of regulation to control the cooperative banks. Of course, there's a lot of scams that happen there too. So basically, the whole idea is watch out what we will do. This bank fails, we will pump money there. This bank fails, we'll leave it you alone. So you will lose your money. So they will create a psychology where people will start pulling their money out of small banks and start putting into the bank supported by the government, banks with an agenda. Mm, absolutely. Mm. Because if you control education and you control money, you have control the nation. Exactly. Mm. So behind it, all that agenda is working. Okay, education is important because that's how you control the young minds. And you control the young minds, they are gone. The next is business. Business. You need to realize this bank that collapsed was into climate change and BLM and funding 73 million for, and they're all into all woke things. You need to understand. You need to, there's an agenda working behind it all. But the whole idea is how do we protect our children? <laughs> How do we protect? Okay, we can educate them. We can be very careful. But again, I will come back. The only way, like I was trying to say on Friday, the only way we can secure the lives of every individual is seeing that they have a personal, one-on-one, vibrant relationship with the living God. And each one learns to walk by faith. Mm. So we do not introduce anything into their minds until they are able to stand on their own feet, that is contrary to faith. Because they are very, very vulnerable. Children are very, very... That's why you don't let a child eat whatever it wants. Yes. The parents pick it for them because if you let the child pick, the child will pick up all the things which are actually harmful to the child. So in the same way, you don't allow the child to hear whatever the child wants to hear. Mm. You are the restraining. Parents are like doors. God has put two doors, the parents, the father and the mother. The purpose of a door is what you allow in and what you keep out. So what the child hears and what the child sees, what the child reads, has to be controlled by the parents. Homeschooling is a very good option if you have the time for it and the heart for it. It's not enough you have the time because it's not an easy thing. 
It's not an easy thing. You know, that's why I appreciate stay-home mothers because uh, rearing a child is a full-time job. It's not an easy thing. Easy thing. It's not an easy thing. It's a it's a very difficult and union. Parent fathers usually don't have that kind of patience because the man's mind was made for outside the work. The woman's mind God had made. He he's the he's the manufacturer. You want a creator. He had made her for the home. That's why the Bible says the wise woman builds the home, while the man is always connected with his work outside. Outside, so this is how. And with children, you need a lot of patience. And if you realize right from the time of conception, mm. the mother is tuned to patience. Yes. Okay. Morning sickness, evening sickness, whatever sickness, she's not thinking about aborting the baby. She's going through the whole process, then the labor pains, then rearing up the child. Because you need a lot of patience. Until this child is able to stand on our feet. Mm-hmm. Of course, the instruction part is there from the father. But I am saying the other side. Because the father is not there in the home. So the mother is watching or reading to the child. Speaking to the child. So you have to be careful what you do. What books you read. And as, as they grow up, stage by stage. Like if you want to, me to give from my background, if I want me to give you an English literature book, which I would always recommend to any parent is Dickens. Charles Dickens. Okay, Charles Dickens. Dickens, okay. Because with the old timers, if you look at the old timers, their foundation base was the Bible. It didn't matter what they wrote from literature, the foundation. That's why uh, if you look at which is the book that has most influenced Shakespeare, it's the Bible. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, mm. It's the Bible or Dickens or Thomas Hart. All these people are there. But... I would always say that let their foundation, like if the foundation of our salvation is Christ Jesus, let their foundation, the base on which their education system is based on, let it be what I would call practical Christianity. Mm. Practical Christianity. Because like we who are parents over here, we'll always realize children are fantastic imitators. It comes to them naturally. We all have pictures of our babies walking in our shoes, wearing our clothes and all, imitating us. Because that's basically what they do. That's what I'm talking about, practical Christianity. It's a Christianity that is lived out in our homes. Because then when Paul writes about the church, he says, you are my epistles. Yep. Okay, so parents need to realize this is where we succeed or we fail. We are the letters they read. (laughs) We are the letters they read. They are not primarily listening to us because their memory fades. That's why it's very easy to change the habit of a child. All you have to is see that they don't see it for a few days and they forget it very fast. So the letters they read, the education they are getting from is actually watching the parents, the elders, they are watching it constantly and it is getting into them unconsciously. Unconsciously. Like when we used to teach language, we used to say in the classroom, the way you teach language is LSRW. L is listening, R is speaking, then reading. reading. And writing. writing is the last skill. That's natural way. That's nice. People go to English coaching classes. They teach you grammar. Nobody learns a language like that. Mm-hmm. Your mother did not sit with you and teach you grammar. 
The child automatically no, learned by listening. Yes, okay, that's yes. how well. You need to understand if that is the natural way of learning a language, then that's a natural way ideas are also imbibed because ideas come through the language. Absolutely. That's a natural way. Mm. That's what Jesus is doing. See, he's just teaching to the crowds in parables where they couldn't understand. But if you wanted to learn, you had to follow him. Mm. You had to follow him. So a set of people who followed him. To follow, when they followed him, his teaching was so much more practical. He gives them an idea and then he shows to them. He gives them an idea. His very life is their teaching. And that's how John uh, begins his this thing. We were with him. He's talking about, you know what, when we are talking about the word, we are not talking to you about the written word. Mm. We are talking about the living word. He lived before us and we understood. Now we understand what scripture means because he practically demonstrated before us how this life has to be lived. And you need to realize that's exactly what God is asking believing parents to do. Just live out your lives before them. You first believe. Believe it, mm. and you constantly surrender to the Lordship of the Holy Spirit mm. and allow my spirit to live through you. They automatically will understand this is what love is, this is what peace is, this is what gentleness is, this is what hard work is, this is what home is like. You see, they are automatically being prepared and they're getting those things all in. And when they go to the world, And even if they get, initially, you know, the flesh is there, the world is over there. But because the other foundation is so strong, Mm. even if they go away, like the prodigal son, let me ask you, his foundation was very, very strong. There were two sons over there. But the foundation of the home was so strong that when everything was lost, he went back home. He went back home. His memories of the home was not bad. He just wanted to fulfill his lust. He went out. But he had no bad memories about his home. Mm-hmm. So when everything finished, he knew, you know what? But there are a lot of children who don't want to go home. Like when I am speaking to, I know a lot of kids when they are hearing, okay, when they are hearing, um, they cannot relate because their homes are terrible. The homes are terrible. But let me explain to you because I had a few of these things from US about last Sunday, um, last Q&A. Let me tell you, a lot of my impressions about my home is connected with the Word of God. Because the Word of God and your experience with God, you learn to see things differently. Like, you can see this half full or you can see this half empty. Mm. It's your choice. Okay? Let's make it very clear. Because people think, oh, he's not able to relate to us because he had such a wonderful childhood. I'm telling you, I didn't. I talk about one side because that's a side I choose Choose to to remember. remember. You can choose to remember what is good or choose to focus on what was negative and then mess up your mind and mess up your life. Okay? I choose to see, I don't whitewash my parents, but it's none of my business to judge my parents. When did I learn it? After I got saved and I understood, okay, that's none of my business. They had their own pressures. They had their own upbringing. They had their own back. I don't know what made them. And it's none of my business. All I know is that I can choose to make myself according to the light of God's word. Mm-hmm. My father was alcoholic. My mother was a hardworking person. Both had, she had a short temper. 
he, when he was alcoholic, house was a mayhem, which was probably every second day. There was so much violence in the house. Okay, But I chose to ignore that. I have chosen to ignore the other side of it. When now as a pastor, because I had to go through all the process in my life, when I counsel people here or anywhere where marriages are at the, at the verge of breaking or divorces come, I said, even if you are divorced, it was a terrible marriage. Wasn't there something good in that marriage? Some one thing? Yes. Just think about that and stop there. Why? So that you can go ahead in freedom. You need liberty. You need liberty. Mm. It's not, I'm not no, talking no, about no, the person no. who's absent. Mm. I'm talking about the person who's present. You need liberty to move with God. That's why Paul talks about, okay, you be anxious for nothing and be thankful you make all your requests known, known, this thing, and the peace of God will guard your heart and mind. But if you want to continue with it, think on these things. Think on these things. Okay? Therefore, what are the things which I learned from the word of God, after I got saved, if I take responsibility for my life. It doesn't matter what my father was. It doesn't matter what my mother was. It's not going to change my life if I understand who my God is. Who my God is. Mm. Okay. So I choose never, during illustrations, like, you no, know, for nothing I did, my father used to tie me to a pole and whip me. And he's drunk. Now none of the other kids got it because I was the only kid who was with him. Okay, and then when he's when he's drunk, and my mother would start a fight, and then I try to come in between. I have been beaten so badly that my entire back was bleeding. I choose not to remember these things. Mm. <laughs> okay, because the fact of the matter is, once I came to the Lord and start understanding, I realized, you know what? One thing says, honor your father and mother. You shall live long in the land. Shall God shall give you second. It doesn't matter what dysfunctional home you come from. That is not going to determine your destiny. Your faith is going to determine your destiny. Mm -hmm. Because Jacob had 12 sons. And the son who became the destined one, who fulfilled his destiny, was the most dysfunctional. Came from the most dysfunctional. His mother was dead. His father had three other wives. His brothers hated him. They wanted to literally kill him. And if the brother hadn't put in an advice, they probably would have killed him. But it's not possible to kill him because there was a word of God hanging over him. So he was the most, he should have been the most messed up kid. Mm. But he turned out to be the best. Why? Because he did not allow his background to determine his destiny. He allowed the word of God to frame him. Mm. So for every parent, I'm telling to parents, whether you come from a wonderful home where both parents are solid believers, or you are a single mother struggling, or you are a mother with a husband who is unbelieving, or a husband with a wife, all kinds of paradigms are there. I'm telling you, let this be your foundation. This be your foundation. And you live it out. Yes. You live it out. Okay? The, the power of a life lived before you. Okay? Timothy's father is Greek. So he has nothing of faith to pass on to Timothy other than probably a good education, Greek education. But when Paul mentions, he's talking about the faith of the grandmother and the mother. Faith of the grandmother is not talking about doctrine. It's talking about life. Christ, yeah. Mm-hmm. He says, you're a true believer. And I didn't hardly have to do anything other than get rid of this fear in you. Yeah. Because you know what? A life was lived before you and you have it has been implanted in you. 
implanted in you. Okay, so I choose to focus on the good things about my father, and I picked it up. Okay, like my thing about order, my thing about timing, my thing about this. All I got it from him. So can I be ungrateful for all those things? Okay, and I saw their sacrifice. I now I understand now that I'm a father, and more than a father, I'm a pastor with so much pressure. I'm looking at them and said, you know, sometimes I say, if my father had my faith, he would have been ten times better than me. Without that faith, how did he manage that pressure? Mm. How did he manage that pressure of bringing up five children? Because his thing was education, and he wanted to give the best education possible within his means to children. And you know what he did? With very limited resources, he did. And did he love to see all of it? No. He died. By the time everybody was just settling down, he died. So he did not even see the fruit of his labor. Okay, so we can choose to see half full mm-hmm. or half empty. So when you are educating your children, I would say, don't use the word secular moralist. Like Dostoevsky and all were not secular; they are very Christian. Okay, yeah. Even he, Gulab Arch. Arch, I forgot his book. That's that is a famous one, no? About where you talk about the the crimes of the communist regime in Soviet Union. Hmm? Yeah, Archipelago, Gulab Archipelago. I think that was his book. And this uh, Rotovsky's book called Brothers Karamzov is considered the greatest novel ever written, at least in the Western side. We cannot say that because nobody has read all the novels, <laughs> but everybody has read at least the great one. So from that, they think he said. Leo Tolstoy is there. No, there are so many of them are there. But I would say leave them for a later age. Mm. Later age. Leave them for a later age. I would say pick simpler ones. Simpler ones. Because you know what? These people are all writing from great trauma and know of what the society is going through and a child's mind may not be able to grapple with those ideas with those ideas okay like his you know, case another book is their crime and punishment okay so these are all very powerful ones which people learn at their postgraduate level so you don't have to introduce them i was a weird lifestyle i had because books were lying all around so i grew up reading them Okay, and it had its own uses later. But I'm telling you, generally stick to simple ones. Pick first. I would always say, never give your child a book you haven't read first. Yeah. Never let your child watch something which you haven't watched first. As far as within my this thing, my children never read when they were growing up a book which I hadn't read. They never watched anything which I hadn't watched, or we watched together. Even if it was Pogo, I watched with them. Okay, watched with them so that at that time, you know, to see that what got into their heads. You see, this is the deposit we put in. After that, they will grow up and they will go. They will Mm -hmm. be under so many other influences. But when they hit the pig pen, they need to have that something to to recollect. If they don't have that to recollect, they have what we call, they need to have a reference point. Mm. They need to have a reference point. Okay, like God should be able to tell Isaac, I'm the God of my father, your father. And Isaac should be able to remember, yes, 
my father talked about a God, and I saw my father's life. His mm. life was defined by a God, mm. and now that God is going to become. And then oh Jacob has goofed up his entire life. He's running for his life. It's a midnight hour. He's put his head on a pillow, on a stone. He's going to sleep, and God is able to say, I'm the God of your father, Abraham mm. and Isaac. Yeah. Okay. So you need to realize that's all we can Amen. do with another generation. Yes, yes, right? yes, yes. So this is what we call practical Christianity. Mm. Practical Christianity. That the children need to understand practically as they grow up. You know what? Dad or mom. It should be both dad and mom. Dad for dad or mom. God is real. God is real. Mm. Their heart treasure is God. Amen. It's not money. It's not education. Yes, it is not any of these things. It is God. Thank you. And I have seen it. They will drop everything for God. The choices they have made before us and for us, they have consistently shown it is God. Mm. And sometimes you do not realize. Let us say, in a normal case, let us say, it is Wednesday. And we have, we suddenly, let us say, it doesn't happen, but so many places it happens. Suddenly, let us say, one of our pastors from abroad came. And he's here only for one day or two days. I decide we're going to have a two-day meeting. And it's Wednesday and Thursday. And if you're believing parents, you don't send your children to school. You'll say, we're all going there. You don't make those decisions. They will not believe you. God really matters. Mm. Not believe you. They will say, you know what? Our God is education. Mm-hmm. This is where this contradiction comes. This is where we have to consistently prove to ourselves. And in, in English, in American English, they say, put your money where your mouth is. Absolutely. Mm. Okay. Otherwise, they will not. When parents, Christian parents, you know, oh, Monday's uh, board exams, you don't come to church today, you stay at home and study, we will go to church. And they already realize. Child, unconsciously, they already realize, you know what? That's what you're talking about. The beginning of that question, right? If you send your children to Caesar, they'll come back as Romans. Mm. They'll come back as Romans. I'm telling you, today, especially in India, Education is God. So education is God. For Christians, for Muslims. Everybody. Muslims have more this thing in their madrasa than others have. But education is God. Education is God. The problem is, if education becomes God, then that God will eat your children. So your children will serve that God. Hmm. Career is God. Children will serve that career. Money is God. Children will. We are preparing our children to serve whichever God we worship. We need to realize that is what parenting is. I want to just go to again Psalm 127 and verse 1, 2, and 3. It's a very powerful psalm for me. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who builds it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It's vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for he gives his beloved sleep. First two verses, he uses two terms. He uses a term house and he uses a term city. Hmm. Okay? Hmm. Using the imagery. Old days, you had a city or a town. City means a small town. And you had houses. The purpose of the city was the city had walls. 
you couldn't be scattered. Oh, it's a time when robbers come, bandits come, Amalekites, all these people come. So you need to be safe. So you had these houses in a city. The city had walls and the walls. The walls had watchmen. This is the thing. Okay, so they had their fields outside, they took their sheep outside, all that, but by evening they came back home. But there are only two things that is happening. God is building a house. God is watching over the city, which mm. is full of homes. Mm. Only two things God was interested in. Mm. He was not interested in your career, though he gives you a career. He is looking at your career. Is your career building a home? Mm. Building a home. Okay, so there is a home, there is a city where the homes are secure. He says, if you don't get this right, it doesn't matter how early you work, wake up and how late you work, it will be all lost one day. Hmm. It will be all lost. But you get your priorities right, it will work. And that's why there's a sudden shift in verse 3. Because if you don't understand hmm. this, this Psalm 1, 2 and 3 doesn't gel. Mm. Why, children? Why are children come <laughs> over there? Behold, children. One, we are talking about work, and we think it's talking about work, and it's talking about watching over you. God says, no, you got it all wrong. I'm talking about your home. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about your work. I'm talking about your home. Okay? Behold. And then he uses this most powerful verse. What are the most powerful verses connected with a home? Children are a heritage from the Lord. God says, if you have a child, that is one thing that is from heaven. I have given it to you. Nothing else. You know what? I have nothing on earth, actually, other than my children, spiritual and otherwise, my own children and spiritual children. Other than this, I have nothing that is from heaven. Nothing from heaven. That means God says, I'm putting upon you the responsibility that what I gave you from heaven, you bring back with you to heaven. Because your children did not originate on earth. Even before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. We are so concerned about all the other things and God says, not one thing from this will you bring into heaven. Other than your character. Other than that, I will ask you and account for your children. He tells Israel, the children I bore unto you. That is why education is so important as to how do we, you know, I mean, I'm going into Greek, this thing, because they were the big ones, pillars on education. I think it was Socrates, Plato, Aristotle. Yeah, These three are yes. there. Socrates, then comes Plato, then comes Aristotle. And remember, Aristotle was Alexander the Great's tutor. Mm. So no wonder he's, he took over the whole world. Okay. So, you look at army commanders and generals, you don't look at their tutors bah. who were behind them. Okay, Consumers. I think it was Socrates, her mother came and asked Socrates, uh, when should I start educating my child? So, Socrates asked the mother, how old, is she, how old is your son? So, he said, five years. You're already five years late. All he has to learn, he has already learned. Oof. Okay. This is why in Deuteronomy 6... God talks about those. Honestly, the first five, six, seven, eight, ten years of your, if you, it can be kind of vacuum messed up because nothing is being imparted or it can be extremely powerful. Mm. If impartation is taking place, if you're living a very powerful life before that child, the first five, that is the term, the Jewish term of weaning. Yep. 
weaning. It's not that he's weaned of his father's milk, but he's now, he's, and by the time he's 12, he's come of age. He's, he's come of age. Yeah, he's come of age. Why do you think Samuel is such a powerful figure? <coughs> such a powerful, even he says, you know, you shall t- teach them diligently to your children, talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down. This is not talking about practicality. It's a lifestyle. It's mm. a lifestyle. Mm. It's a lifestyle. No, lifestyle. Now let me tell you, you see the negative side of my father I have told and the positive side I am telling you. No? One thing about my father was that, you know what, he was alcoholic. But one thing I always liked about him, he was always ashamed of it. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. He used to tell me like, no, don't drink, don't smoke. Though he was drinking and he was smoking all the time. <laughs> and I still can remember that he, like, he wouldn't drink like this before us. It's very strange. Okay, He had an almara and he would keep his glass in the almara and every 10 minutes he would go in, open it, take a sip, put it back and come down because he was always ashamed to drink in front of his children. But he couldn't help it. Now when I get older and I realize it and I understood, you know what? So even though he had a weakness and he's like, if I was a secular kid, I would say his alcoholism destroyed us. Education made us. Okay, because when he literally died, he left us with an education. That's all. <laughs> because half the wealth was drunk away. But the fact what he gave us stood instead of us. But what I'm saying, the yeah. other side of it, okay? So the thing is that that created a memory in my mind as I grew up. Okay, that even though my father drank, he was always ashamed of drinking. <laughs> okay, he never drank in, in like, you no, know, when we were growing up, he didn't like drinking in front of us because I know many fathers who drink in front of their children and they are not bothered. They put this thing and put it in the grandkids' mouth also. They do all kind of these things. Okay, all these things. So what I'm saying is that, so what I understood from that is that he had a weakness, but he was ashamed of it. So that was a lesson in my mind. Hmm. Lesson in my mind. Okay, that's a lesson in my mind. Okay, so you've got a lesson. Okay, it is not something he's proud of. Something he's ashamed of. Hmm. Okay, so we need, what I'm trying to tell you is education is practical. Education is practical. Like I'm telling about Jesus' education is so practical. Like you put him into any, basically, if you look at Jesus' practical education with his disciples, his practical education is this. You can trust my father. Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. Trust my father. You are not going to face any situation in life which faith in my father will, you will say, is, I'm unable to handle it. No, you can handle it. So what is left is persecution because of righteousness sake. And faith can handle that. That also mm. can handle to any situation you go through. That is what he was practically teaching them. He was teaching them how to live. Because what are we? What is education teaching you? How to live by sight. What is Christ teaching us? How to live by faith. So after going to church for twenty years, you haven't learned to live by faith. Mm. The church did not teach you anything, or you didn't learn anything. Oh yeah. Mm. Because if you go to school, and at the end of ten years. You fail your board exams. What that you means mean? you didn't learn anything. Either you didn't learn anything or the school did not teach you anything. 
Right? So the purpose of going to church is learn to live this life of faith. That is education. So even when you're picking your books, you have to be very careful. You pick books with a Christian orientation, which is also imparting faith in this God. Faith in this God. That actually, you know what? Once you have imparted faith, the two sides of faith, foundational, doctrinal, this is who God is, this is how he does things, this is what his principles of holiness, righteous, that is one side of faith. The other side of faith is the practicality of what? How do you live by faith? How do you live by faith mm. in this world? This too has to be balanced and taught. And that is what an education system should be. So I would say that if you as a parent has succeeded in imparting faiths to your child, even if the child is not well educated in this world, the child will be a success. Absolutely. Eternally a success. Because most of the people in the word of God were not educated the way we were educated today. None of them had that kind of education. There was one man alone who was, two people who were very educated. One was Moses in the Old Testament, the other was Saul of Tarsus, and both had to be re-educated. <laughs> Otherwise they wouldn't have become men of faith. To become men of faith, Moses had to be emptied of all the wisdom of Egypt for 40 years. 40 years studies had to be emptied out in 40 years. And then faith had to be imparted. And the first lesson God teaches them is faith. Put the rod down. And realizes if I put something down, obey the voice of the living God, something comes into it. It's the power of God that is coming into the obedience of the word of God. He sees something. Mm. Three signs are given to him. He says, this is what happens to men and women who believe me. My power comes into only those who believe. Now you can take it and give it to the children of Israel. I have kept a land for them. They can fight and take it, possess it. This is the principle of faith. You believe me, you obey me, you can be absolutely sure my power, power comes, in, comes yes. into That is faith. Amen. And what do we teach in the world? You study, you are educated, then you can work hard, then you can make money, then you can buy all this. And God says, I am the one who gives you the ability to make money. So faith and sight are not the same. same. No are way. not the same. Mm. So that's what education is. Live it out before them. Faith, live it out before them. About faith. Each one has to have their own faith. I know when I started this journey, one of the things which I told God is this. I signed for this. My children didn't. They have to sign on it on their own. I won't sign for them. I will teach them. I will try to impart faith on them. I will live before them. But my God has to become their God. And therefore, since they haven't signed on it, and I have signed on it, I have put my life on the line. I will give up anything for you. But I don't expect that for them. My God, as I go through this, I want them to know that my God can take care of all their needs. They should never say, my father was in ministry, therefore we suffered. And you know what? They never, never suffered. suffered. They never suffered. They Amen. had the best of life. Amen. The best of things, the best of life. So they will never be able to say, my father stepped out in faith and there, his God couldn't take care of them. So that, you know what? Because then... Each one has to sign on the 
dotted line on their own. Then they will be able to believe, yeah, oh, God can handle any kind of situation. One day they will come and say, I also surrender. Mm. So it has to be that personally. But this has to come from conviction of who this God is. And that is that is what education is meant to be. See, we are breaking our heads learning about creation without knowing the creator. creator yes. Without knowing the creator. What is real education? To know Grow the in grace. Mm-hmm. Peter's final words, Peter, first Peter, second Peter 3.18 is, Grow in grace and, and grow in the knowledge of God. That is final words. That is real education. Because if you grow in the knowledge of God, of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, what will happen? You will grow in grace. And grace is the power of God. My grace is sufficient for you. But it is proportional to your understanding of who God is and your faith and your belief and your knowledge of who this God is. That's education. So any book, any book that helps in that, let your children read. Mm. Let your children read. Along with so many practicalities about love and kindness and gentleness. Because that is one side of faith. So when you pick books, don't pick books where you have, no, you have to pick. Some books are there where there are bullies and you see the end of the bully, what happens to the bully. So it's a lesson for the child because they are going to go out in the world and face bully. You become one of them. This is a very strong, that's why old movies were always good overcame evil. Mm, mm. Now it is not. It's evil who overcomes good. The bank robber who robs the bank and ends with his now living in a tropical paradise. So the paradigm has shed. We call evil good and good evil. <laughs> you know, that's happened. But old ways, old times, it was never. It's always good versus evil. Good words. You look at any old movies, old movies and old books, always good versus evil and good one over evil. Okay. So these ideas are getting very strongly. Ultimately, evil will be punished and good will prevail. It gets it into their minds. So when you are reading, and discipline also is that way. When you are disciplining a child, the principle is not what you did. I didn't like what you did, so you're going to get punished. No, not. You need to understand the fundamental principle of life. Evil will be punished. Good will be rewarded. That's it. Period. Okay. Even if you had saved, only the good is going to be rewarded. And evil will cause you to lose. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So get these principles very early. What? Add to your rewards. Add to your rewards. You can earn your rewards on earth. So these principles are put also. That's how literature always was. Mm. You know, simple stories, Aesop's fables, you know. Even our Panchatantra and all has a moral lesson yep. behind mm. it. In behind it all that is. So whenever you are reading a book, you're going to read a book or give a book to your child, if you have read it first, the question you need to ask is that entertainment is second. Mm. Entertainment is a good thing. It's like the tune of a song. If the tune is powerful, sometimes you would like to sing it. But the lyrics are powerful, but the tune is terrible, you ignore that song. So there's an entertainment factor in a movie. Very powerful. But the whole idea is pushing across a message. So when you're picking a book, Hmm. you need to ask, what is the message? If my child reads this book, what is the message he or she will get? Is it very clear? 
or it is like one of these abstract modern paintings. A painter also doesn't know what it is. The one who comes and sees also, no. Everybody can interpret. No. Everybody can interpret. That is the devil's thing. The Bible says the simplicity of the gospel in Christ Jesus. You know, very simple. Very simple. That's where it should be. So I would say, don't pick these guys. Let them pick later when they grow up. It's very difficult, but. Even in the in, in in ancient Israel, I mean, the, except for Israel, I mean, Israel was that nation where they invested in teaching them through the word of God, and they, that was the kind the of education was, was there, in every was, culture, was, but it was called a privilege. Privilege, but, it, but, it, but Hebrew, in Israel. Hebrew culture, the, the Israeli culture was the only ancient it, culture where everyone got was educated. It. Exactly, everyone got. Exactly. Mm. They had the word of God given to precisely, them. Precisely. But in every other culture, it was restricted to a very superior elite class. So in India, we have Brahmins. We have Brahmins. In Arabic, the Islamic culture, you have the Maulavis, Mullahs and the Maulavis. And then when the Catholic Church took over Christianity, you had the priests and the Vulgate version of the Dewey or the Vulgate version of the Bible. And the mass was in Latin. It was not the common man's language. Common man's language. And when Christianity came into Kerala, along with that came the Syrian church. The Syrian church took over the whole this thing. And suddenly you have a total Malayali congregation until I started growing up where the, the, the service is in Syriac, which nobody understands except the priest. Nobody understands. Some of the words which are very, we don't, I don't even know Korea, lies, so on, and all our words which we use. And I don't even know what these words mean. Everybody repeats it. You had two masses. If you go to Catholic Church, you could go to two kinds of Catholic Church. You could either go with a Latin Mass, or you go to go Syrian. to one which is Syrian Mass. The problem was the Latin Mass you didn't understand, the Syrian Mass you did not understand. But there is a set of, why? Because language was used basically to control mm. and not educate. Bah. You can use the same tool, no? You can use a knife to make the cut the best vegetables and the meat and cook wonderful dinner. You can use it to kill and control. The very knife in your wife's hand, when she's fighting, can be a weapon of terror. She was cooking the best thing. Then suddenly stands with a knife in your hand. <laughs> okay, now you say, okay, okay, honey, what do you? I'm not taking my wife now. <laughs> I'm just using an illustration, <laughs> okay? Because it's suddenly what happened. The same thing, language. Education. That is what is being happening around the world. And we as Christian parents are paying through our nose, nose. <laughs> to make Romans out of Christians. <laughs> <laughs> Romans out of Christians. <laughs> okay. Okay. So be very, very careful. Pick books. You read it yourself. And I would say if the children are young, pick the classics, which are in the abridged form, simpler English, let them the classics, let them read later. Most yeah. people don't mean, understand, yeah, don't yeah. understand. It's very difficult to hold your this thing and all. But also see, you know, you, you have lots of books in the Christian world, fiction also, where one book's theme will be love, another will be peace, another will be gentleness, you know. So the child realizes that you will read. And it is put across unconsciously in a very entertaining kind of way entertaining kind of a way this thing is rewarded so these principles are imbibed into that children into and i will also tell you because you talked about education and education is about the home i'll always tell you one thing in the home 
parents don't fight mm. best education don't fight <laughs> uh, don't shout mm. don't shout you will have disagreements sort out disagreements behind closed doors gently softly they don't have to hear because one of the most important thing if you look at that first two verses of psalm 120 you don't have to go over there is what the child needs is security yeah walls they need security mm. and when there is discord between the parents and it is out in the open the child becomes insecure insecure and one of the things the child usually the child starts crying then you notice the child will when the fight takes the child will get up and go cling to one parent that tells you that's a parent the child receives its security from children can speak louder than anybody else when two parents are fighting first the children start crying the second thing you will notice is after some time the child will go and cling to the father or cling to the mother but the thing is that the child says it is with this one i find security and if you are the parent to whom the child is not clinging wake up and smell the coffee if god has spoken to you something through the child mm. that you bring insecurity in the home and that is the education you are imparting <laughs> imparting that's the blast tags for okay. <laughs> these are things which we need to understand these are things which we need this is how we teach our children teach our children because we all have gone through this and the bible is full of this okay and if you read <laughs> what is the whole bible about it's only about two things two primary themes from genesis chapter 1 to revelation 22 22 what are two themes one Love. the son of god two the faith of man in that son of god it's only two themes that connects the entire bible jesus and and man's faith in him connects the entire man is about that no never forget this what apostle paul speaks god is building a home and is expecting a family is building a home there and is getting a family ready Yes Pastor Vijay. Wow. Awesome. Let us go to the second question. Pastor we should look at because you're talking about context in this current century we should look at a very contemporary question this is question number 3. Why do we see so much of injustice with President Trump? It is so unfair. Why is he why is this being allowed all the time with the justice system around the world? It is not right. Will not will God not arise and our enemies be scattered? See so many things that are happening around the world is connected with one question. The return of the Lord. See. The first question is when is he coming? Mm-hmm. We don't know. Mm-hmm. Is it getting closer? Yes, of course. It looks so, but it's looks so to every generation. Mm-hmm. We were in our father's generation and we knew what if they knew what we knew, they would have thought in his generation he was coming. like you know when paul lived he was living in the roman empire and church is going through unbelievable persecution so they thought nero was the antichrist and christ was going to come so every generation has gone through it but we do not know 
But signs are there. There are certain signs which can be only fulfilled in our time and could never have been fulfilled in another time. But so many formations are taking place. If you don't know your word, which most Christians in the world don't know their word or don't know how to read news through the word, they miss what is happening. They miss what is happening. The BRICS formation. Now, there is China has come and negotiated a peace between Saudi and Iran. They were the one whole Middle East battle for the past many years was over Saudi and Iran, the Shias and the Sunni, the Saudi. All kinds of things are happening. The only one who is standing out as a sore thumb is India. Other than India, a lot of things are happening. India has to is trying to delicately balance, doesn't know how to balance because of China being on the other side, hostile to us. Breathing on their program. That is our issue. A lot of the kings of the East are formations are taking place. Taking place. America is being deliberately and consciously being weakened. Consciously and deliberately being weakened. And uh, so is Europe. So is Europe. Another thing which we understand, we see in in U.S., leave Europe aside, it's pointless talking about Europe, and then you come to China, you come to Russia, you come to India, these are the powerful nations. There is a, there is a, it's the same everywhere, there is a deliberate, conscious attack to see there is no opposition. In Russia, there is no opposition. China, there is no opposition. In India, they are trying to see there will be no opposition. And in the U.S., they want to see there is no opposition. And when it comes to U.S., which is the most important country when it comes to geopolitics, global politics, they only fear one man. They don't fear Santis or Nikki Haley. They are not bothered about any one of them. They fear only one man. And that man is Trump. They fear him. They will do everything possible to bring him down. As much as probably God doesn't intervene and stop it, he may be arrested next week or this month, indicted over a stupid thing which has no relevance to anything that is happening. But they will they will try to get him one way or other because for them and their plans, he is the existential threat. Correct. Is the existential threat, not Santos, not Santos. Santos is a is a governor of Florida. He's good with his war politics and all that. He's good, but he has never faced the artillery at the national international stage. He's too young. Honestly, there are certain things that will only come with age and experience. He's mm. too young to have handled that kind of pressure at the top. And his background, yes, he is, he was in the U.S. Army and all. But Trump is not from the Army. He's from the Queens of New York, a real estate builder. He's a fighter. So mm-hmm. he has, he has, he's, his inner, inner character is, he's, he's a fighter. And his tenacity is there, he's strong. Very, see, Isaac is not a fighter. Mm. Isaac just moves on, moves on, because his father never taught him to fight. His father was a fighter. Mm -hmm. Because the father was a fighter. Sometimes, you know, I mean, I used to, (laughs) it's very funny, I used to counsel parents. 
like now when your son comes back from school with a few scratches and this thing and all don't panic asking what happened now you got into a fight yes did you at least give one yeah exactly Mm, so seriously okay. that's true because now it's a different world Moses, because what has happened is we live in a world that nobody knows sure about their gender so it's a different world in our world gender was very clear mm. very clear boys are boys girls are girls boys need to be tough because they are the ones who have to go out and face a very tough world they need to be tough to be handled see lot of people their mental cap see now honestly telling you so many of you are working in a kind of a system where the system does not breed toughness does not breed toughness like you look at doctors are tough like dr richard has to be tough because he's an emergency doctor what is the emergency every day everything that comes you is a crisis <laughs> you cannot you don't even after a period of time you know what toughness gets because every day you are making decisions which is connected with life and death 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 you know what toughness comes in. automatically with thought knowing you automatically become tough but if you're sitting before a software this thing before a computer and that's your entire life you are not half the time you are playing and when the boss comes you are working you are not going to be tough Now I know what young people all kinds of jugards they do. You are not going to be tough. You are not going. That was not the way the old, like I'm saying, the old life. If you look at the how the Bible opens, you are a farmer, okay. and you're going to own a land that has been cursed. Thorns and thistles it will produce, and by the sweat of your brow, you have to battle every day. And then you are a, you are a shepherd. you have to battle the bear and the lion so you had no choice and if you didn't battle it your family went hungry family went hungry and the mother at the home is a tough lady mm-hmm. why because there is no contraception there is no family planning you had children as long as you were able to bear 15 16 17 18 few survived so sana wesley had 18 or 19 children many died many came and every child was immediately as they started growing up they had their chores they were part of it the girls did this the boys did everybody because you know what this is how they thought the more children you had more hands you had in the farm mm. you didn't have to hire labor it is a family thing it's a family and that concept is still there in rural america they're not bothered about how many children and all that okay so life was like that so everybody came up through tough now i'll tell you we are living in 2020s and if there is a rippling effect and in the next 6 months one year the banks all start started collapsing like we saw during covid what happened during covid collapsing and you have not a recession we go into a depression this generation will not survive In 1930s, America had a depression. But they survived. They survived. You know what? That generation was a tough generation. They had come through the Atlantic Ocean to the west, looking for a. These were all immigration immigrants who had come looking to make a life, life, to escape the hardship of that place, and they're willing to go through it. In the 1930s depression, that generation who survived were tough people. Mm-hmm. But today, you have a people. who 
a generation honestly i'm not scoffing you or anything a generation who doesn't know to do anything other than move the mouse what do you know what do you know do you know how to chop firewood i know that's how we grew up do you know how to light a fire out in the open and without without electricity or gas do you know how to survive that's how we grew up do you know how to live with bare minimum do you know how to grow up your own vegetables and all that's how we grew up that's how we all did we all had our choice the question is they have herded us like cattle into the cities and made us dependent upon the system everything dependent upon the system and then the system becomes your king now the system says jump you ask how high mm. how high because you know what you do not know <laughs> i know all of us all of us have seen first blood right the first one of rambo's first blood rambo the colonel who trained him wow. who comes and talks to the police captain he said i, I have not come to save him from you I have come to save you, you from, from him, him. Yeah. because i trained him personally he can eat what will make i can remember the dialogues which i saw in the 1980s he can make he can eat what which will make a billy goat puke because he has been trained to survive in any environment that is the kind of people of the old days they could survive in any kind of situations tough people faith has to make you tough tough that's what paul is talking about lying in a stinking roman prison he is able to say i can do all things through christ jesus who strengthens me this is not a wussy faith this is strong as iron faith does that's what you are talking about and trump is a tough man mm. is a tough man and they have to take him down because if he comes back in 2024 then all their agenda will be pushed back think about a situation if the lord delays Trump comes in 2024 and let us say among the candidates today another 8 years of DeSantis let us say DeSantis among the ones who is most conservative another 8 12 years the entire agenda of the antichrist and the illuminati to bring the new world order is pushed back by 12 years well they have already put the agenda has 2030 they put their agenda 2030 the illuminati has very clearly published all their on the net because now everything is open that they want to bring down the population of the world to 500 million what do you think is a, what do you think they are pushing artificial intelligence for why is the rise of the machines for whom for them so they don't want people they want to cut down the people they want to kill by any means war famine pestilence they want to bring down the population of the world to a manageable level and there will be only the masters and the slaves and the machines will work that is what ai is all about because you need to ask with ai who benefits the elite the elite <coughs> elite benefits you need to ask these questions people are people like dumb sheep are just going to schools and colleges without these things pushing them in their prayer closet and say lord i want to stand in the gap if this is what is going to come then the only one who can change this is you because i realize from what i have hearing in the pulpit reading the word not even a sparrow falls to the ground without mm-hmm. you knowing you are the one who is controlling but you will not do anything if the church is going to sit there still we will allow a generation to pass away mm-hmm. and use the next generation or you will realize this is it time is up 
So the church is the only entity, the believing church is the only entity they fear. They don't fear anybody. They fear the believing entity. So the whole system is being set up. And there he stands. There he stands. Because they fear him. Because in the entire conservative world, conservative world, Australia, New Zealand, Europe or this thing, they look to him as their leader. Because if he comes back in 2024, the conservative movement will start springing up around the world. It will start coming coming up around the world. So their agenda will be pushed back again. So we are not looking, we are not praying for President Trump randomly. We realize how the agenda, we look at the news, we see what is happening, we all these things being moved. We look how the pieces on the chessboard, everything is moved and we see the agenda. The agenda is to bring the Antichrist. Our job is to stand in the gap to bring to hasten the coming of Christ. So we are also, we also have to be very clear about it. So if we are going to run around like the world, we will miss out what is happening. So we also look and see, you know, because honestly, I'm telling you honestly, there are plenty of good Christian believing political leaders in US. But you put any one of them in the White House, they are so weak, they will not be able to resist. That's the issue. See, you see, in the, in the other side of the world, the elite world, which is controlling this world, the world is like this. It's a pyramid. Okay, I think this is a pyramid, but they are at the top. And the one who is at the low, at the bottom, bears all the weight. So anything that happens, gas price goes by 50 rupees, it doesn't bother you. But it bothers that poor man. <coughs> Petrol price goes by 5 rupees, it doesn't bother us. The pressure is less. It affects that man because he's counting his pennies. So you need to realize anything that is happening in the world, it's the weight is taken by at the lowest level. <laughs> Okay, you will hear a girl jumping from the city, this thing, or another one jumping before a train over a love affair. But the farmer is committing suicide because he doesn't have the money to pay back his loans. Wow. He's not killing himself because of something. He's, so you need to realize the pressure is at the bottom. In the kingdom of God, it's the other way. It's an inverter pyramid where those who are called to leadership takes the pressure. It is not. So the people at the top are People take least pleasure. He calls them lambs. So there are lambs, there are sheep, there are shepherds. Okay? That is how it's inverted. So the pressure is taken. All, all of our weights and our sins and our abomination, Christ took the pressure. Mm. We didn't. We, we just believed and walked away free. He took all the pressure on the cross. Now he says, if you want to follow me, that's the way I am. You have to deny yourself. You should be ready to take the pressure. And why I like him is, he's a man who took pressure. Because he had nothing to gain, everything to lose by getting into this. He's 76 years old. He's a billionaire. He's got real estate everywhere, including India. He can just play golf for the rest of his life. He was not here. And another thing which I like about him, I'm not seeing him as a pastor. I'm seeing him as a political leader. 
political leader should not be like like in india we have a term called ayaram gayaram gayaram and the convictions one day they are fighting the bjp next day say we see so much virtue and the flip over no that's what trs put the advertisement na washing powder narma certain political party <laughs> people swore the ed and cbi is against them as soon as the switch party they become clean <laughs> okay this is the kind of politicians we actually have but the interesting part of it trump is that when he was a young man there is an interview he is not even dreaming about politics or anything he is a kind of a playboy kind of a young man from queens i think it's off from in free i think he has an interview and he makes this statement when he asks this question if you ever become the president of america what will you do you listen to that young man Same and way. you listen to this man his mm. convictions has It's never changed. changed for his country so you know this man is true mm. this is not ayaram gayara this is a man when he was a young man who had no interest in politics and he still burning for his country his country is in the wrong direction there is a set and he is a rich man mm. he is a rich man he is rich opulent but if you have listened to him he has always sided with the middle class and the poor he always says i'm one among you and among you you know so we need leaders one who are very tough because the days are evil so you need extremely tough leaders two you need leaders who don't change convictions change their convictions i'm telling you honestly he has no reason to contest 2024 personally speaking why should he no tomorrow or monday march the 19th 19th yeah or 20th And he makes a declaration i'm quitting politics all the cases will disappear mm-hmm. washing powder nirma washing powder nirma <laughs> they will have no reason to pursue him tommy daniels will become a whisper breeze and go all these cases you know atlanta da about all the calls him everything will just disappear disappear okay but he won't quit he's not a quitter and we hope he doesn't quit also i don't know whether he will win or not because that has got actually got nothing to do with him it's got to do with god i don't know what god's plan for us is the land has come to such it's become such an abomination at least what you see in the public in the media is such an abomination but there's a side which we don't see there's such a nice godly population also out there they still the same they love their god they love their country they love their community they love their church so because the media and hollywood is only portraying the aberration as the norm we cannot judge that is the way god will see it because god sees the other side amen so we don't know all we can do is lord within these parameters we will pray lord have mercy have mercy have mercy have mercy on that nation like i said if that nation goes down it affects all of us affects all of us who is there to speak for the weak the persecuted who is there nobody is there to speak nobody's voice no so we need to pray will god rise and our enemies be scattered we don't know when he will arise but when he arises it will be scattered but also see a lot of things are moving prophetically towards the end me everything is moving to the end but not so fast 
as like you see we are not ready for a one world currency we are not ready like you no know, yes online this thing and all is happening but still not permitted the whole world population all kinds of things are happening but sometimes it can happen so fast so yeah. don't be sitting on Complacent. your heels either mm. like in this two years of wow. biden america and the world has so radically changed yeah. it is so shocking like in the first two years of covid and in the next two years things have changed with the speed unbelievable speed so don't sit there and think things won't change rapidly either because what we are seeing is the right of absolutely authoritarian systems around the world around the world can you believe the british parliament actually passed if i'm right the bill where you cannot even pray silently 150 yards near abortion to somebody the lady is arrested they said what are you doing she's sitting there silently she answers the question and says i am praying and they arrested because you are not allowed to pray meaning this is what we call thought police now even your thoughts are being policed you will think the way we you think you think and we are going to put perimeters over there and if you are found there in these perimeters we will ask you what are you doing and because you are a christian and if you do not have discernment you may tell blot out the whole truth i am praying well you are under arrest because you are not allowed but you didn't open your mouth so they are going to control so now perimeters are going to come when you come over there you are suddenly aware in this area this is the only way i am allowed to think increase that area keep on pushing the boundaries keep on pushing the you boundaries. are only allowed to think that's happening in all your mnc's you are allowed to only think in that way not vocalize lgbtq this is the only way that is the norm you're not allowed to think any other way now the supreme court has given it to the full bench to decide on same sex marriage yeah. but i want you to read, read for once the government is against it read the government's petition opposing it it's a fin- fantastic opposition they have put why they don't want it to come through but i don't know these justices also sometimes they are good sometimes they are bad everything is shaped by ideology but indian government's defense of not sanctioning same sex marriages is powerful very powerful so we don't know where it is going it's an agenda going on therefore we have to fight our job is to press so we have to look at different different places okay some countries don't matter but some countries matter and you look who is actually standing up for the oppressed freedom to speak freedom of religion freedom of worship these are fundamental freedom who is the one who is standing up and speaking for it and who is tough who is tough pray for them pray for them you know pray for them don't let others think for you get all the facts think for yourself yes pastor vijay pastor we should look at we looked at education we looked at politics and we wouldn't look at another <laughs> prayer because it's again talking about kingdom mm-hmm. i think this is question number 4 sami can you just put it up please 
When Jesus' disciples asked him to teach them how to pray, he offered a powerful example to them. That is Luke's Gospel, chapter 11, verse 2, where he's mm-hmm. talking about his kingdom come. Mm-hmm. In the opening line, we discover that the main priority of our prayer life since his first coming is to pray the kingdom of God back down to earth. The kingdom of God is equated to the will of God in this prayer. Right. Right. So how do you look at it? First? Okay. So he asked them to teach them how to pray. Okay. Now, we know the prayer very well. Okay, very well. So, the way you look at that prayer, it is not just narrowly connected to the second coming of Jesus Christ. Though that is the end of the prayer. Yeah. The end result of that prayer is the kingdom of God comes onto earth. But before the kingdom of God comes physically onto the earth, there are so many things that are part of the kingdom of God. Okay. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. <laughs> thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So his will is that no man should perish. It is will meaning, that is not his will that will come to pass mm. that is his desire yes many will perish or majority may perish okay we don't know only he knows but that is his desire mm. so a man's prayer is connected to that you cannot say thy kingdom was so it becomes an escapism if you're only looking for the second second coming of jesus christ you're shirking your responsibilities your responsibility is the kingdom of god has come into me he says, don't look here and there. The kingdom of God is not here and there. It's in you. That is how I got saved. When I got saved, you got saved. We entered into the kingdom of God. And what happened? Somebody prayed for me somewhere. I don't know. Somebody was sent to me. I know. Gave the gospel. So many factors played. They were actually working out God's will on earth. I believed. I entered into the kingdom of God. Now they have entered in the kingdom of God. I'm not going to sit with my heels on the ground and think, I entered. Thank you, Lord. Come back. Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. He says, no. Everybody, Lord, there are so many. This is part of your will. So each one understands. We have different functions in the world, in the world, different what careers, different jobs, but one purpose. You shall be my witness. Not you shall be my preacher. No. You shall be my witness. All of us are witnesses of the kingdom Mm. and the king. We are a witness. So that's the whole thing, Lord. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. So where does the kingdom come first? Your will be on earth. Okay. And now, it touches me first. If God's kingdom has to touch earth, it has to touch me first because Mm. I'm the one who's praying. Mm. Right? Mm. If you go stand on the roof with a metal rod and there is lightning, it touches you first. <laughs> it touches you first. So when you appear, thy kingdom come. It should come to me first, right? It should Amen. touch me. It should grow in me. It should strengthen in me first. Mm. So it is the will of God. So the will of God is not just restricted to the kingdom of God coming on earth. That is the end of so many sequences. Before that, so many things have to happen. And each generation, each generation, each believer has his part to role, play. Yes. One body, many parts, and every part has a law. So that is part of this. That is part of this. But that is your focus. God said, if that is your focus, 
then the rest will start following start falling into place yes, yeah. but if you are a child of god who entered into the kingdom that is not your focus you will be always wasting your time like psalm 127 verse 1 and 2 Wow. Rise up in the early, wake up in the hour, and one day you will realize after you achieved your career objectives, it tastes like dust in your mouth. Why? Because you did not seek your kingdom, my kingdom, and my righteousness first. And all these things which you wanted, I would have easily added to you without tension hmm. while you are pursuing my agenda. My agenda was so you can You see, you can do the same thing with different motives. Hmm. Same thing, two people in the same workplace. The motivation is different. One is motivated by self, the other is motivated by God. But outwardly they look the same. But inwardly motivation is completely different. And sometimes we wouldn't even know because rapture would be the division. One is taken, one is left behind. (laughs) (laughs) So we have to be very, very careful. Like I said, the objective of faith is God. But you can have the same teaching and all those principles and just turn it around and the object is you and not God. Everything is the same. Teaching is the same. Confession is the same. Scripture is the same. But deep inside, God is not your objective. You are anyone who comes to God. You are coming to God, but not for God. You are coming to God for yourself. First. Coming to God for yourself. You are not denying yourself. There is sacrifice, there is following, everything is there. You are sacrificing, you are following. But it is not for the, at the denial of self, it is the exaltation of self. Okay, exaltation. That's what the devil promised Jesus. If you bow down and worship me, I can give you all this. I'll give you all this and the glory also. Hmm. Now if you look at it, that's exactly what the father is going to give the son. He's going to give all the kingdoms from the earth and the glory. When Jesus comes, he's going to be crowned with honor and glory and praise and all the kingdoms become the kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He gets it all. But there are two ways to it. Either it's by the denial of self or the projection of self. So faith can have two objectives. Is it self or it is God? It is God. That's a simple question. So when God is talking about praying, he's making it very, very clear. I'm trying to protect you. That you don't get fooled by the message. Let it not be about you. Let it be about me. Mm. Because when it is about me, I will give you everything that you actually need. And he tells, when his disciples says, we left everything to follow you, he said, and in the time to come. Okay? He says in this life, yes. And in the life to come, unbelievable. So let God do the adding. God do the adding. God do the adding. Your purpose should never change. The purpose is, is the cost, is the kingdom of God is the cost. The cost. The will of God is the cost. And unless you see the eternal. Not the permanent, the eternal. Okay. They may sound the same, but they are not the same. I want a permanent job. 
Everybody says, I wonder, is the job permanent? After six months probation, we will decide whether we will make you permanent or not. Why do people all go after a government job in India? Because <laughs> there is something called permanent. So, government is offering you permanent and God is offering you eternal. Oh. <laughs> eternal and permanent is not the same. <laughs> Yeah, permanent is offered in the temporal. Eternal, in the eternal, there may be nothing permanent in the temporal. Okay, it is up to God. You have given that permanency to God. Abraham, there will be nothing permanent about you. Every once in a while, I will tell you to keep moving. Sooner you will keep changing. Two, you will not be allowed to build a house. The only popular plot of land you will own is a burial ground. Keep moving, keep moving, keep going. So there is nothing permanent about him. But eternally he is the father of believers and the blessed one. So there was nothing permanent for him. Okay. On the other hand, the next one, God may say, settle down in Beersheba. The well of oath, seven wells, that is where he will settle down. After that, he is there. <coughs> so you... His God's plan for him may not be my plan. And that also can keep on changing. There's nothing permanent about it. <laughs> the only thing that is sure is eternal. That's it. <laughs> the judgment is eternal. Okay? So we have to be very, very careful about it because our mind, Indian mind especially, is always looking for a government job. So there is security, pension, no, and suddenly we will realize government also doesn't want to give you permanent jobs. All ad hoc, ad hoc, ad hoc, and pension rules have been make made it so impossible that to get a pension now you have to serve so many years. Then only you will get a pension. So government also doesn't has taken this idea of permanency out. Okay, permanency out. So we should be wise and start looking at the eternal. That is the whole prayer about thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is even. But you have to personalize this. Each one has to personalize. Lord, first we talk about the general will of God. That's very easy. You don't need now anybody to come and teach you the general will of God. Everybody by now knows what to do, what not to do, how to behave, how not to behave, how to speak, how not to speak. Everybody knows and most ignore. That does not mean you don't know the general will of God. Everybody knows the general will of God. With the power of the Holy Spirit, try to live through the general will of God. And after that, there is what is called the specific will of God. There is the permissive will of God. Jacob running into Haran is the permissive will of God. And God meets him there too. That is not his perfect will. His perfect will is that go to Bethel. But this is a permissible. You goofed up, now I'm trying to save your skin. Okay, go there, suffer for 20 years, and I'll bring you back. That's a permissible. So there is the general will of God, and there is this permissive will of God. A lot of believers are running in the permissive will because it is got to do with, I want, you supply. I want, I want, I want, I want, I want, God will let you run. Then when you're finally miserable, and one day in the midnight you struggle with God, Lord, bless me, God will ask, what is your name? <laughs> <laughs> and you are honest you will say my name is Jimmy all these years I said give me <laughs> I said okay now I shall turn you around it was all about you you pursued me 
with a full heart for yourself. <laughs> now I am going to change you. Now I will tell you. Now you pursue my agenda. It's always good. The will of God is always there's nothing bad. His plans are always good, but with an eternal purpose. Temporally, some things may not look good, but eternally, it is always good. It's mm. always good. So he will say, "Now are you willing? Are you willing?" So each one will have to. Each will want to see. If you learn these things early, mm. you will save a lot of trouble. Even when we the young people, we were all like that. No, when we were, when we go to God, say, "Lord, please give me her." Okay. We never ask God, "Who do you want us to marry?" <laughs> never ask, "No, Lord, who do you want me to marry?" Was never. Mm-hmm. Just, so, if you look at that, that is the most important decision, right? Post salvation. If that was your attitude in your marriage, what do you think your attitude in other things were? It was always, always the same. Lord, I want that job. I want to marry that one. I want that one. I want Lord. Please, Lord, I believe. I confess. God said, "It was all about you." I allowed you to run. Are you tired? Mm. Tired? Tired? Yes, Lord, I'm tired. Okay, now ask the right question. You'll get the right answer. What is that? You can ask me. What do What do you want me to do? And I will tell you. <laughs> what do you want me to do? Saul of Tarsus? I told you. Just go wait. <laughs> when the right time comes, I will tell you. Just go with it. Okay. This is how we ran. All of us are Jacob. Mm. There are very few people like Joseph and all who are not Jacob. Born of Jacob, but not Jacob. Okay. We need to understand. So when he said, "Thy will be, thy will be done on earth," don't look at the earth. Look at yourself, because you are the one. Like when Moses comes to God, says, "Take off your shoes. You're standing on holy ground. You let your feet." Your shoes are touching the ground. Take it off. Okay. So when you are saying now bringing heaven down, it has to touch you first. Hmm. You know, you I can't pray for the salvation of America and evangelism of South America when it hasn't touched me. And God says, "What are you praying about? Let my will touch you first. You said, hmm. right? First, and then suddenly I will be able to reveal my will." For America or South America, I will be able to reveal it to you, whether it is your burden or not. My burden to put on you, I will reveal. But you are not surrendered at all. <laughs> so it has to touch us primarily. You know, you don't. The whole thing is Jesus is coming and showing us the goodness of the Father, the eternal plan of the Father, the power of the Father, the provision of the Father, and He's coming and saying, you know what? You can surrender without fear. My father is good. Mm. Don't listen to all these Pharisees. He's not like that. Listen to them, but don't be like them. He, my father is not like that. I have come from the bosom of the father to reveal him to you. Yes, when it comes to sin, he's severe. But even there, you don't worry. He's taken the severe, put his severity on me, mm. not on you. So if you believe me, you can escape that also. Then judgment will be there. That is for your rewards. For your rewards. Now, if you go to a class, you know, you, you schools which have 100% result, class board exam, 100% result, then they have a special ceremony to give the rankers medals, right? Now, the whole class goes there. The whole class goes over there because they are 100% result. Now, they are not going for punishment. They are going there to be rewarded. Okay, so God says, "See me, see me that mm. way, see me that way." That is why, you know, that's why Paul is saying, after eleven chapters of the mercies of God, 
Your modern education system has messed up your mind. With that mind, if you approach what I am saying, you will not understand my will. You will not appreciate my will. You will not want my will. Instead, what you will do in that mind and my word, you will try to constantly in your prayers project your will upon me and say, will you please pay the bill? And if you push me, I will. I will. I will. Bah, that is Jacob. Deceives his father. Father is blind. My question is, he is the chosen one. But why didn't God change Isaac's words? Why did he change Isaac's words? He didn't give Isaac any discernment of who this is. You want your way? You push me? You'll have it. You will have it. And you will regret it. Then you will come to me and I will change it for you. May, may not. If it's too late, it's over. <laughs> Come home, it's over. <laughs> you are saved anyway. Too late. <sighs> Depending upon when you will come to your senses. Mm-hmm. No, prodigal son came to his senses young. He came back home. Some people come home in the last days. Deathbed and all. My father came to knowledge of the living God two days before he died. He made it. He made it. But he just made it. Can he have rewards? According to scripture, no. Because none of your appointed works did you do. That's what Ephesians 2.10 says. The works he prepared for beforehand. beforehand. A person can do that only after salvation. So that's a question we need to ask. We are his workmanship. We were created new in Christ Jesus. Born again, created in him. For good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I cannot walk in those good works unless I know His will. Then I'm walking in them. Walking in them meaning you are living it. You are living the will of God and these works are part of it. You are not like going to a 9 to 5 kind of a job. No, it's not that. Your whole life, the works of God are happening. You are walking in them. That's what it is, that we should walk in them. Are you understanding? You're mm. walking in it. It's just a daily. So there is no, like, oh, when I had to do my PhD thesis, um, my title was from the secular to the sacred. A reading of the Chronicles of Narnia. Okay. And my opening statement was in Christendom, there is no secular space. Everything is sacred. There's no secular space for us. Everything is sacred. That's what the Bible says. Whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord. There is nothing secular. How can it be secular? Like I tell you, today, each day I get a words. Okay, get a words. Today, the most powerful words I got today was from Revelation 21, 22. It's a very powerful. I mean, there are things which you can read and read and it doesn't skip, hit you unless God hits you with it. It's a very powerful words. I saw no temple in it. This is talking about heaven. The new city. 
I saw no temple in it. In the new creation, there is no temple. Who? The Lord Almighty and the and Lamb are its temple. In the old creation, God said, do you understand what I am trying to tell you today? I said, Lord, tell me. He said, in the new creation, there is no temple. I and my son are the temple. In the old creation, you are the temple. I see no other temple. Do you understand the will of God? When God looks from heaven, he sees no temple except us. That's my temple. So there is no secular space. It's all sacred. When we reach over there, we realize there is no temple. Mm. The Father, mm. Father and the Son is the temple. Mm -hmm. When God looks down, he says, you are the temple. Mm. I see no other temple. You are the temple. So how can you have a secular space? You don't have a secular space. You only have a sacred space. If you have a sacred space, what happens in the sacred place? The will of God happens in the... So God says, I have prepared works for you. Mm. Works for you beforehand. Just walk in them. That's what happens in the temple. And that's what Jesus came into the temple and got so angry. He said, you have made my father's house a den of thieves because the works that are happening here has got nothing to do with my father. We have to understand, no? Understand what God is trying to tell us. You understand. Then only we'll understand the meaning of life. What is life? What is life? You know? What is life? And Jesus is telling in very simple, gentle language, all poor people gathered, this is sick, poor, first time they are seeing hope under a Roman regime and a rigid religious system. There is this man who comes out of Nazareth, brings so much hope, and he tells them, don't worry what to eat, what to drink, what to wear. And then he looks at them, because that's what their whole life is about. They're daily workers, daily wage earners. That's their entire life, he says. And then he looks at them and says, isn't life much more than all this? So then you should ask this question, what is life? What is life? These are the people to whom God through Moses says, I am your life. I am your life. Okay, so we should ask these questions. This this thing like it struck me. I marked it, I wrote it, and Lord. Then I realized, you know what, you can read the Bible any number of times. <laughs> Until he shows it, you don't really see it. And he has a time to show it. <laughs> Only at that time he will show it. Amen. So my, my counsel to the young generation is, if you can, just memorize the Bible or just read it. Keep reading it and leave it to the Holy Spirit to bring to your remembrance. Be utterly dependent upon, upon the Spirit him. of God. He will tell you what it means at that time for you. Then it will become life. Amen. It will become life. That's what the kingdom of God is all about. So we don't worry by seeing all this thing. Of course there is tension. Paul talks about the tension. Of course there is tension. We have to live with that tension because we are living in this world. And the tension is to each day believe and walk. But I am not of this world. Because the minute you decide you are of this world, the tension is gone. You go with the flow. Finished. <laughs> Every moment you have to decide, I am not of this world. I am not of this world. That is the tension. That is the tension. But the tension, for a believer, is not a, there's not an option like that. right? Possibly. We have no option. I mean, mm -hmm. you can always opt, like a lot. You know, yeah, realize on the last day. Exactly. 
<laughs> too many, too many examples. Lot is a good Christian. The Bible calls him righteous. He's a good Christian. What vexed his life? But he realizes the choices he has made is going to cost him only on the day of judgment. Okay, and so many Christians will only realize on the day they die. They are not bad people. They are saved people. They are saved people. But the day they die, they realize all my choices post salvation were wrong. And I have lost it, not permanently, eternally. Mm. I just blew it eternally. Are you a child of God? Yes. Will you inherit? No. You cannot inherit. Why? Because you never sought my will. You never walked in the works which I had prepared for you beforehand because you never sought them. Every day you came to me and showed me your works and what you want to walk in it. And as a father, because you were very, very persuasive, I gave it to you. Give it to you. Okay, I gave it to you. It doesn't mean you're unsaved. <laughs> you are saved. Lot was saved. Both entered the promised land. The Bible doesn't say Lot left the promised land. <laughs> Sodom and Gomorrah was in the promised land. Okay, he never left the promised land. But he never heard from God. He never sought God's will. He never walked in that. Abraham walked in it. He walked in it. He made all. Lot did not make the mistakes Abraham made. You know that he did not make the mistakes Abraham made. He did not sell his wife. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't sell his integrity. He didn't take have a child through a servant maid. He didn't do Abraham's mistakes at all. So if you look at his life, he's a very good Christian. He didn't make the mistakes. <laughs> yeah, no. A lot of Christians like that. If you look at them, they're very nice people. They don't make our mistakes. Their families are fine. The children are good. <laughs> they go to church. They never miss church. They're all very, very good Christians. Plenty. I've seen many people like that. They have lived like that and they died like that. But if you ever meet them and ask them, do you know God's purpose in your life? They did not know. They never knew. There are others who have sought. They have made many mistakes. Terrible mistakes they have made in their life. But the mistakes they made in their life was also because of the pressure that was upon their lives to fulfill God's will. Hallelujah. Therefore, God overlooked it all. Amen. The pressure that is upon Abraham is not the pressure Lot will feel. Absolutely. He will not feel. So you need to realize why God overlooks the mistakes of certain people. He says, because don't judge another man's servant. You don't know the pressure that is upon his life. You don't know the pressure. He says, you are sitting there in your comfort and say, look at him. He says, if I were to take you and put you, will crumble in one day. And he has stood there for these many years. You wouldn't be able to stand the pressure he is going through. <laughs> you need to be very, very careful. That's why we only judge doctrine. Amen. We don't judge people. Judge Doctrine we have to judge because doctrine is fundamental to life. We don't judge people. And when we go, people see going doctrinally off and their life follows that way, we say, okay, I'm stop listening to that person. But we still believe they will come back. They will come back. Because if you look at their beginning, we realize the beginning was good. But we need to realize that is not how life works. We don't want to be goody-goody Lot Christians. We want to be Abraham. We are children of Abraham, not children of Lot. Mm. Remember? Yesterday's message, Galatians 3, 7 and 3, 9. 3, 7 believing and 3, Abraham, 9. By faith of believing Abraham. 
Therefore know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. So those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. Okay, so please understand these fundamentals. Okay, so that's why when it comes to eternal judgment, leave it to God. <laughs> Don't even go there. Everybody knows. At that time, everybody will know. Everybody will know. Because you will never know how anybody will finish. Yeah. See, if we, if we did not know the end of the stories in the Bible, and we only judged each person by their beginning, we will not give Jacob the time of the day. And we will give 100% to Isaac. Think about it. But Jacob finishes so well. Isaac wastes his last lives. So my whole question is, after all this education you got, <laughs> what did you do with your life? <laughs> huh? And with Jacob, with no education you got, how did you finish so well? The blessings have surpassed the blessings of their fathers. How did you? I mean, I wouldn't have ever expected. You know, it's like when we were classroom teachers. No, sometimes we look at this answer sheet and said, "You look at this fellow. Look at me. Come here. I won't change your marks or anything. Just tell me. Did you copy, sir? Really, sir? I did not copy. How did you get these answers? You are the last person I expected." to the fellow. He said, what happened to you? Mm. You are the one I expected. <laughs> we first will become last, the last will become last. <laughs> so don't. This is the, what do you call, this is the excitement about faith. You know, like I said, the cross, at the foot of the cross, it's, it's a level breakdown. And faith is an equalizer. Amen. Faith is an equalizer. Faith is not dependent upon anything except do you believe? And the simple question is rich man can believe, poor man can believe, blind man can believe, dumb man can believe, anybody can believe. So when Jesus says what is impossible with man is possible with God, he gives himself a practical lesson. He walks into Jericho and touches the poorest blind man and touches the richest man and tells them, probably tells them, did you see? What is common between the two of them? Faith. Both believed. Faith. That is what made the rich man on the top of the tree and the poor man sitting outside the gate equal was both believe. Hmm. Both believe. And it didn't make any, any difference. Whether it is a Roman centurion or a child of Israel or a Canaanite woman, what made them all equal? It was faith. Hmm. They heard about Jesus and all of them believed. And if you hear about Jesus, if you believe, it's an equalizer. It's an equalizer. So you need to realize entry into heaven, first question, did you believe in my son? Answer, I did Lord. Enter. After you enter, second question, did you keep on believing in my son? Everything that he said. And your rewards will be accordingly. Did you keep on believing? And that 
incredible statement. I think it's the last question. Yeah, you want to take one? I think that's the last question. You'll end up with that powerful statement Jesus makes. If you can believe. 923. <laughs> Mark 923. Mark 923. If you can believe. If you can believe. All things are possible to him who believes. Okay, so take yourself as a person. Surrender. And God reveals his will over a period of time to you. This is my will for you. Perfect. Now will has been re- revealed. Now God says, if you can believe. God, you, my revealed will. All the things within this will is possible. And you come that way, I will tell you too. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into my joy. Take charge. It doesn't matter what you wear. You could be a housemaid. The question is, did you believe? believe? If you can believe, all things are possible. It's very interesting that when Peter is, I mean, Jesus asks Peter, uh, put your net onto the other side. And he says, Master, we've toiled all night. All night, but at your word. At your word. And when he sees the fish, he says, Lord, forgive me. I'm a sinner. Mm-hmm. And he actually says, you know what? I did not believe. Actually, I did not believe that it was possible. And therefore, he says, Lord, please depart from me. It was, yes. it was actually the sin of unbelief that he was confessing. Yeah. Meaning, I mean, but still, no, there is this thing. There is, if you have to choose disobedience because of unbelief, and obedience because with belief, un- un- because of unbelief, Better go for obedience. obedience. That's what I said. When you don't understand Still the obey. spirit of the law, go by the letter, letter of the law. Mm-hmm. Don't assume the spirit of the law. Go by the letter. Mm-hmm. Okay, there's the letter of the law and the spirit of the law. And when you look at the letter of the law, you don't understand what does it really mean. You know what? Until I know what it really means, I will go by what I understand. But I am not going to disobey. Unbelief. God, just obey. Throw your net. Anyway, the master was I threw it. Yeah. And he came in full. Okay. <laughs> Simple. You may have to, because our reason is there. Like I said, no, don't let reason, reason. block obedience mm. to what God has spoken. Because reason mm. is our biggest issue. Yes. Doubt is there, worry is there, reason is there. No, because your reason. Saul lost his throne because of reason. Go kill the Amalekites, every one of them, and kill, destroy everything. And he's thinking, why should I kill the good cows and the good bulls and the good, <laughs> good, good, and the king also? Why should I kill? Now, what he's using is that. He's using reason. Mm. Because he's not using doubt. He's using reason mm. because he killed all the weak. He killed all the weak. So he kept only the good. He's using reason. And the problem is that his reason, he lost his throne. Bah. You don't have to reason. God said all, all. Period. That's it. Oh, that's okay. I don't understand. Are you see my reason? I'm wondering. I mean, it, it doesn't make any sense to me. But he knows anyway. He knows best. I'm not going to bring my reason with the, the eternal knowledge of God who's seen the end from the beginning. So I'm just going to obey. Obey. Okay? Because you know what? Faith has so many blocks. And we need to actually examine what is stopping me from obeying. What is stopping me from going, what we say in English, going the whole hog, the whole distance. What is stopping me? Is it fear? 
then deal with fear. Go, go to the word of God. Go to the spirit of God. Deal with fear. Everything that is connected with fear. Meditate upon it until it gets into your heart. And then the spirit of God is here. Because if there is no faith, it's not whether there is the word. Please understand the difference. Even if there is the word of God, the spirit of God will not operate unless the word has generated faith. Because mm. he's looking for faith. Amen. In Jesus, it's a different thing. He is full of faith. Full of faith. When God speaks, the Spirit of God is operating because God only speaks from faith, His mm. word. But that's not the same for me. I can say something from Scripture and actually fearfully not believe in it. Absolutely. Mm. So why we meditate upon the word over and over and over and over is so that the word actually translates into hearts as faith. And then the Spirit of God is able to operate on it. Mm. Operate on it. But that's, but that's the Spirit of God is also looking for faith. Spirit of God is not looking at the word. Mm. Okay. He's not looking at the word. He's looking at faith. When the Son of Man comes, he's looking at for faith. Because Jesus' crowd is a Jewish crowd. Everybody has the word. But nobody has faith. Everybody has the word. They call head is saturated with memorized with the word. That's what they are doing as child. Everybody has the word. But he's not looking for the word. He's looking who has faith. Same thing now, same thing tomorrow. God is looking for who has faith. Who has believed? Who has really believed tomorrow? Who has actually believed that I will come? I said I will come. If two or three gather in my name, I'll be in your midst. Who has actually believed and is coming to meet me? Coming to meet me. Don't blame the worship song and the sound. That's got nothing to do with worship. Though it helps you in your worship, but that is not the reason you worship. The reason you worship is because you believed he comes there. Amen. <coughs> he comes here. The belief you go to church is your fellowship is secondary, but the first reason is Christ is there. Christ is there. Not like now. Like some days I go late, sometimes I go go very late. Okay? But it doesn't matter how late I go home, nobody eats. Though I tell them it is no, we are waiting for you to come. Even the maids won't eat. <laughs> they say no that Pastor will come. They said, let him come, then we will wait. Everybody's waiting. So the simple question is, yes, you can go to church for fellowship. That's fantastic. It's scriptural. But that is not the primary reason. The primary reason you're waiting for the head of the family mm -hmm. to come. Amen. Our Jesus said he would come. He's the head. Mm -hmm. That's the primary reason. If you haven't enjoyed him, and the first three hours fellowshiped with him, then the fellowship after service, which is among the family members, is Doesn't matter. Mm. It's ridiculous. That mm. fellowship you get anywhere, office, mm. bar, anywhere you get that mm. fellowship. But first you fellowship with the head of the, and you sit with him, he comes at the, at the table. You're sitting with at the table, and now you're worshipping him, you are asking him, you are hearing mm. from him. So it is all about him, church is about him. That is how faith comes. And hmm. Each time you begin your day with that, faith bah, generates, faith generates, faith generates. It's not the word has to bring faith. Word has to bring faith. That is the whole idea. And then you will have to, is it fear? Is it worry? Is it reason? If it is worry, hmm. then you need to ask yourself, why do I worry? What am I worried? I mean, you know, you need to, it's something which I need to tell people over and over. You need to really believe God speaks. Personally. Only we have to learn to listen. You see, you need to understand one fundamental mistake we make. Old covenant and new covenant are different. The old covenant prophet is not there in the new covenant. 
In the old covenant, you went to the prophet to hear, to receive guidance. The new covenant, God will not allow it. Mm-hmm. The new covenant, a prophet may confirm. But the prophet's job is not to give guidance in the new covenant. Because the guide has come inside you. He is the guide. Mm. He's the guide. He's the one who guides. So I get every day, every week, people asking for guidance. I will say, I will not guide you. You have to make the decision. I will counsel you. I will not make a decision for you. Because if I tell you, I am making a decision for you. The problem is, if I make a decision for you, I also have to wear the weight of that burden. And I'm not willing to do that. Mm-hmm. I know the decisions I take. I take for myself. I take them for my children. I take for the church. Those are my burdens. Uh, those are my burdens. And I'm very careful when mm-hmm. I take those decisions. But other than that, I will not take. I will not take. You have to take your own decision. Why? Because you're a believer. And who came? How did you become a believer? Because the Spirit of God is his when he comes. And look at the names of the Holy Spirit. Parakletos. Helper. Guide. Comforter. Comforter. Teacher. Counselor. When he's all this, do you really want to hear from a man? <laughs> or all you want to hear from a man is confirming what God, God has already actually spoken. God has spoken. Yes. So like I said on yesterday, I said, Unless you see the person, you will not tackle your fear. You will not tackle your worry. You don't tackle your anxiety because worry is sinning against this person. In the world, worry is not that. Worry has got to do with circumstances. So you don't see it as sin. In the kingdom of God, you have to see worry as a sin because you are worrying because you don't believe what your father, the almighty God, has said. So it is sinning against a person. Person. It is insulting God. Hmm. You have to see it that way. Like, you know, imagine uh, Pastor Vijay goes home now, sits down to dinner, and he sees three of his daughters sitting there and very down. And he said, what happened? No, we lost our hunger. Why? Because we are very worried about next week. Will we get food to eat? You look at it. Are you serious? <laughs> I don't see anything funny there, he will say. What did he say? I don't see anything funny. Are you serious? Are you joking? No, we are not joking. We are very serious. You last time, are you serious? You know what? You are insulting me. Huh. You are insulting me. How did I give you room even to think like that? Were you hungry last week? Were you hungry last month? Were you hungry last year? That's why God says, bring, remember, Go through history of Israel. When did I fail them? When did I fail them? What were the odds they were facing? You know, to show to the world, I picked the weakest and the smallest set of slaves in a nation. I had to show to everybody why you can trust me and brought them out against the greatest forces of the world and of nature and the demonic. Mm. All of them. The armies of Pharaoh. Mm. The Red Sea, feeding them in the wilderness, all these things. What I was trying to teach each one of you, you can trust me. So we need to realize, unlike the world for us, worry, fear, anxiety, all this is sinning against a person, not circumstances. Hmm. Not our lack of, it's not, it's not, it's got to do with a person. That's what he's trying to gently say, you know. 
Look at the birds of the field. Look at the, the flowers. It's your father. It's your father. Yes, it's your father who feeds them. It's your father. Even Solomon and all his grandeur. Why are you worrying? At the end of the day, all our worries are connected with these three things. Mm-hmm. What to eat, what, what to drink, <laughs> what to cover ourselves with. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, it is connected with these three things. If somebody can come and guarantee us, guarantee us, I guarantee you this, you will not go hungry, you will not go thirsty, you will not, not be put to shame, you will not be naked. The question is, God has given us that guarantee. He has given us given us that guarantee. You will never go hungry. You will never go thirsty. You will never go naked. But on the other hand, I will also ask you, those of you believing and who choose to follow after me, you will be persecuted for my name's sake. Who choose to follow me. When that happens, rejoice and be exceedingly glad because great is your reward in heaven. <coughs> Not anybody. Only those who choose to follow him. If you look into the kingdom of God, only those who chose to follow him have been persecuted. Others give up. They went. They compromised. They recanted. But those who chose to follow him were persecuted. Any country, even today, those who do not choose to follow him, don't get persecuted because they compromise. They compromise. So you need to realize, if you choose to follow him, this will happen to them. He has told them this will happen. Advance warning. I have told you all these things. He didn't tell this to the crowds. He only told his disciples. You know, you will have much tribulation in the world. Did he tell anything to the crowds? No, he didn't tell them. These were only told to the disciples who chose to follow him. So don't automatically expect that you're going to go through persecution. No. You're, all your suffering is not persecution. These are bad choices you made. Hmm. That is not persecution. Persecution for righteousness sake is a different thing altogether. Don't confuse between these two. So, 2000 years, people who have chosen to follow Jesus Christ have been persecuted one way or other. But to everybody he gives this promise. You put the kingdom first and seek my righteousness. I'll take care of these things. You will not go hungry. You will not go thirsty. You will not go naked. I'll take care of it. And all of us sitting over here know it is true. Amen. Amen. We haven't gone hungry. We have fasted, but we haven't gone hungry. <laughs> we haven't gone thirsty. You have never gone naked. He's taken care of it. You can say it's the work of your hands, but the fact of the matter is that a lot of people who worked have gone hungry, naked, and thirsty. The fact of it is that God has brought us through, even through the worst of COVID times, He brought us through. Worst of times. And God says, stop worrying. Put your nose in the front. Seek the kingdom. Trust me. No, That's the whole idea. That's what I'm saying. At the end of the day after preaching, should have faith in God. Both sides of God. As Romans 11.22 says, both in the kindness of God and faith in the severity of God. Both. <laughs> you should have faith in both. Both. You should have faith in that. Okay, you look at Israel's. All these hacks, things happen to them as examples to you. So have faith in my severity too. <laughs> okay. And look at all the others, the great giants of faith. Have faith in my kindness too. Basically, I'm saying you need in your life somebody who will never change. He says what he means. He means what he means. I can bet my last dollar on him. He said, you can. 
When I say I will be kind, I am kind. When I say you do this, I will be severe, I will be severe. You can be guaranteed about it. You know, you need somebody like that. Honestly, you need somebody like that. And you can revolve your entire life around that, a person like that. And God says, that's me. I never change. Yesterday, today, forever. Same. You know how simple it is if you understand what faith is and what it is to the object of your faith. And you can mm. go through life. Life. Without fear. But you have to come to that point. Yes, Pastor Vijay, we shall pray. Yes, Pastor. Hmm? Pray. Oh. <laughs> Father, we just want to thank you, Lord, once again. Thank you, Father, for reminding, teaching, exhorting, reinstating, Lord, so many things that we have heard, learned over the years. Truly, Lord, if you don't have faith, Lord, give us faith. Your word says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Grant us faith. And if we have faith, increase our faith. And the faith that we already have, strengthen it, O Lord. Yes, Lord, truly, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. You have never changed. You are the same God yesterday, today, and forever. And therefore, you said, mm-hmm. O oh, you sons of Jacob, you are not consumed. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, Do you, that we worship a God and serve a God who never changes. And therefore, this evening, O oh Lord, we want to resurrender our lives once again to you, O oh Lord. I pray, Father, that, Lord, your plan and a purpose and your purpose in our lives will become even more clearer in the days to come. And truly, Lord, every one of us, Lord, we will endeavor to fulfill God's purpose in our generation, O Lord. Thank you once again for this time. Grant us a good night's rest and grant us another day so that, Lord, we can walk with you and prepare ourselves for your coming. We thank you, we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 I've been born again